Peter Resnick's toolbox. I'm speaking to you from London. I'm visiting my daughter Hannah here. Uh, she is in her second year of college. It is 7 p.m. for me. Uh, I just finished my dinner, uh, though I don't have my usual ginger tea. I wonder how I will do without it. So today we continue the subject I started on last week, the fear. Some look uh, at it as abbreviation fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. But I don't think that it is always, fear is always false evidence. There are times when the evidence are quite real and they point out to us something that would prompt us to take action. Uh, again, while I'm take, talking, I, I want to remind you uh, that you can call anytime to ask questions or share with your experience of dealing with fear. Uh, the number here is, or the number there, uh, is 888-874-4888. And of course, you can always send me an email uh, so I will read it later and to respond in the following show. My email is drpeterresnik at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. So we'll be talking about fear today. But before we start talking about fear, uh, you know I like to do a little show and tell. I saw this posting on my face page, a Facebook page. Um, it says, if you don't make time for your wellness, you will be forced to take time for your illness. It's so short, so, so concise and so accurate. If you don't take time for your wellness, you will be forced to take time for your illness. Uh, there are, in America at least, there are what is called sick days for people who work for companies. But why do you need to wait to get sick? I remember reading a study from Harvard University that demonstrated that the students are three times are more likely to get sick before the finals as after the finals. Why? It is clear because they are stressed before the finals. The same, of course, is true for everyone. When people are stressed, they are more vulnerable, uh, not only stressed, when they are overwhelmed, overloaded, worn down, physically or emotionally, they get sick. So ladies and gentlemen, as you go with your week, as soon as you feel a bit of uh, not, not so great, tired, emotionally or physically, ask yourself, do I need a health break? Not everyone can afford taking those breaks, but you need to find a way one way or another, some way to acknowledge that you are stressed and to give yourself some kind of a break. If not time, then in choosing some activity. Oh, I see somebody's calling. 
uh, I didn't figure out yet how to, let me see. Oh, here. Oh, E from Edgewater. I am happy to hear from you, E from Edgewater. Please um, connect us with E from Edgewater. E, you are on the air. Hello. Hello, Dr. Resnick. How are you today? I, I am great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm just about hanging in there. I'm not doing great because I'm in a lot of misery from the conditions of the world, you know, and it's all like uh, weighing on me very hard. And I'm trying to do the best I can in such a situation that we find ourselves in. Okay. I'm making notes because I want to talk about it. It's, a, it's so, uh, I am so happy that you, you're bringing up this subject. A misery about the condition of the world. So you want to make uh, more comments, or you have questions, you have suggestions? Yeah, I'll make, I'll, I'll make more comments. I, uh, I think fear is what you're bringing up. The, 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 yes. the subject yes. is fear. So yes. fear is what the, uh, the, uh, the people that are in charge of the populations of the world, the ones that are in charge... They use fear to, pe to keep people controlled. You can control people by making them fearful, and then they, fear turns to hate, and then you can get them to hate each other and divide up the world into little groups and have them all hating each other by using the fear thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. You know that... Uh, uh, Goebbels, the Minister of Propaganda of, of Nazi Germany, wrote about it. He said, not he didn't speak about fear, but he spoke about anxiety. If you create anxiety in the whole population, you can manipulate them any way you want to. They will do anything to escape the state of anxiety. So first, first a threat is created whether it's uh, COVID or, or some external threat, uh, threat from Russia or from China, and then you can begin to manipulate people and do exactly what you say because you do it for the country. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, but and that's what we're experiencing right now, is that many people are in fear and they're anxious because they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Forget about today, what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, you know. And we've, we got used to a certain system of how things work. And when you're growing up from the 50s, you're a little boy and a little girl, and we're growing up and we go to school and we're used to a certain system, and then we get into our 60s and 70s, and now we see that this, that system was just like an illusion, that it's not really uh, uh, benefiting us to be part of this system because it's a corrupt system, and it causes us to be fearful because it creates lots of anxiety because you don't know if you're going to be able to, to support yourself. You have financial problems, uh, food problems, where we're told to eat all the wrong foods, and all these things create anxieties that create the fear, and then they can control us and make us do whatever they want because we're just like robots, you know. We, 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 were, we were trained in school 
to do what we're told. Our parents were, were, were ushered in uh, to World War II and the Depression. All these things were created on purpose to get them to believe that this system was a good system and they were on our side. So our parents and our grandparents and aunts and uncles, they all told us that all we have to do is go to school and study hard and pay attention and everything will work out good for us. And and for most part, that was true and it worked for lots of people. But in the yeah. end, we, they, our parents and our uncles and all our family, they, they had very short vision. They didn't see ahead and they didn't realize what was going to be in store for us? If we're a if we're a country, if we're a people that constantly are in progression, we're always inventing new stuff to make things to make it appear that it's going to make it easier for. Remember, with the cell phone, we used to have phones on every corner. You could go into a drugstore and sit in a nice uh, phone booth, and there was phone books. The light went on. There was a fan in there, and that was all given to us. And now they took all that away, and they gave us these stupid things that we hold in our hands like yeah, I lost your and they control our lives and yeah. cause more anxiety and more fear and, and and another thing is you can't distinguish what's true or false anymore so that really makes you anxious because you don't know if what you're believing in is true or maybe even this and there's so many different narratives going on this is how they keep us confused and how they can keep us under control I want to ask you a question Question, can I? Yes. Um, it, it, uh, first, I make a comment. Uh, that, I agree with everything you say. Uh, but you started your comment by saying you are not well because you're in misery about what's happening in the world. But it sounds to me, even though you list all those traps that were created for us and all those illusions and delusions, it sounds to me that you are no longer living in that with that illusion, that you became much more enlightened. So what specifically creates misery in you? Let's see if, if it's yes, possible somehow to help you with this misery. Because I understand... Okay, exactly I, appreci I appreciate that, Dr. Resnick. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, let me finish for a second. Man, and I'm a good-hearted person, too. Mm -hmm. We were both born in 1954, you in right. August, me in September. So we're very close. Right. Right, we both right, have the yeah. same good heart, and I appreciate that you want to help me. But the, the thing is, there's a saying that they, go, that they say is, ignorance is bliss. So when you don't know, and you're living in an illusion, and you don't even know that it's an illusion, well, then you're happy, and you're feeling good. And if I know that these people that are happy and feeling good about things are, are tricked, are, are fooling themselves to believing in these lies, then I'm in misery because all my other friends, all my other people out there are all mixed up and are being led down the wrong road. They just so, think they're on the right road. So please, I'm in misery because all my other humans are tricked. So I don't please, like to have be the only one that knows what's going on, and I know I'm not the only one. There's plenty of people because I got a lot of information just from listening to this network. But, yeah, but I'm the misery I'm feeling is not personally really for myself. I'm not suffering an illness or something. I know how to control. I know how to meditate. I know how to keep myself okay. But I'm, I'm in misery because of 
my other fellow human beings are being tricked. And I don't like to be tricked myself. I don't like to be lied to by habitual liars. And that's what we're being having done to us. Yes, I would like to to do something. I think it would be actually useful to for us and for all people who are participating in this conversation. I would like us to ask a question. Uh, look, you and I are the same age, we're the same year, we're one month apart. I am one month older than you are. That's it. We're both 68 years old. And you, and it sounds to me that both of us understand the same thing, understand what is going on with politics, with, with the economy, which became intertwined with politics. And yet you say you feel misery. And honestly, I don't feel misery. In fact, I'm excited and I feel at peace. So the question, let's, let's ask the question, how two people who grew up well, somewhat differently, but how they arrive to such different set of feelings as a result of the same consequences? What do you think? What, what, what makes it different for us? That we feel, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I'm not making it up. I told, I said on the air many things about insecurities that I feel, about mistakes that I made. So, but I'm telling you, I don't feel miserable. I feel fine with what's going on, even though I understand all the things I don't want to repeat that you articulated so well. So, all right, what is your I, take? I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer what you're saying. I'm going to answer it. Right. I I got the question. Now I'm going to answer what you're saying. Why? Through me and you, are we're you're not in misery. I'm in misery. But we both know about the illusion, and we know about no, both know about what's going on with oh, the so food good. they tell us to eat, poison, and we have to know what the good stuff is. Yeah, we know it. You know it. I know it. Lots of people know it. Gary Noll knows it. But we're still trapped in an illusion, whether you but, like it or not. See, not when you told you're me, when I told you, said. they put Merck. Look, can I finish saying what I'm saying? I'm giving you an example of yeah. why me and you are different. Okay? Yes. Here's ahead. the example. I called you for, uh, like, uh, this is the fourth time I'm calling you. The first yeah. time I called you, I talked about mercury in our mouths. Remember? Yes, Mercury yeah. in our mouths. And you told me you went to get tested, and you found out that your mercury levels were too high. Good memory, but then you yes. got so happy because you could go to the dentist and let them take out the mercury and put in good stuff. That made you happy. That don't make me happy. That makes me more miserable because they're supposed to take that out without charging you for that. Just like when a car company makes has a defect with their car, they have a recall. You bring the car, they fix the problem, they don't charge you for it because it's their fault, not ours. And with the mercury put in our mouths when we were little boys and girls, that wasn't our fault, that was their fault. They shouldn't yeah. charge people. They should set up clinics and have it taken out freely. And they should alert the people that it's very bad to have those things in their mouth, which they never do, and they're always in denial. And that's a big example of why you're happy and I'm miserable, okay? Yes, it's a very good example, because now let me say, I, I also understand what you understand. It seems that you and I are pretty much uh, in tune with, the, with each other without really ever having met. But I look, if somebody would say, uh, 
there is a, a, a chance now to sue and to make these people accountable for putting mercury in our teeth. I would go for it. But because I'm, I'm aware that it's not possible, I celebrate life where I have an opportunity to celebrate it. I was, thank God, I was able to afford to go to the dentist, and the dentist indeed took out all this uh, mercury. And I was ecstatic that I could do it. I could do something for myself. Rather than focusing on what unfair things were done, I was celebrating what good I could do for myself. And the same thing with most of the things, even though I'm not always successful, but that's my aspiration, to accept the goodness, to do the, my best to correct problems if, they, if I can correct them, but to celebrate any, at any opportunity something good that happens. That's all. And, and let go of anger at the things that I cannot change. Not because I approve of what other people did with something is wrong, but because I need to be free, not a prisoner of my anger. Because when we are angry, when we are resentful, at that anger and that resentment lives inside of us. So that's why I choose, um, I choose not to focus on it, not because I'm in denial. Uh, okay. And the same thing with, with what's happening in the world today. Oh, but also, I don't know, and you're welcome to share, I don't know your, um, your worldview, because I believe in what we call, for convenience, with the name God, that is, that higher consciousness, or call it universal field of, of consciousness that is connected with everything. So I believe nothing happens by a chance. So, and there is a polarity or the, the, from ancient times, we were taught there is polarity in the world. The more there is good, there, there is, the more there is evil. We'll be always presented with good and evil. And you and I and our listeners all have an opportunity to choose, to choose to be on the side of uh, people who exploit other people, uh, to be, let's say, to work for Monsanto, God forbid, or to work for Pfizer's, uh, or to work not with them for those who uh, are suffering because of them. This is our choice. And how we feel about this struggle is also our choice. Now your turn. Yes, but Dr. Resnick, but Dr. Yes. Resnick, don't you understand? You're just looking at it as a personal thing where yes. you're not going to let it affect you, the mercury, because you have money to go get it taken out, and now yes. you can be happy. But what about all the people that can't afford to, and they have to have that in their mouths for the whole life, and they got sick, and they got dementia, and they got Alzheimer's, and they're all sick, and it's all mess making the world a miserable place yes. because of this fact. You, you're I, overlooking something because you're you're because you went along with the system and you got yourself into a nice position, and yes. then you were able to make money so you can afford to get these things done. Well, that's great for you, but what about everybody else who didn't do that? It's a question. There's let me answer. There's a billion of us here, Doctor Resnick, and answer. probably half of us are unable to. To, to even function properly because of the way the world is financially. You're, you're asking a question, so take a, a moment to let me answer this question. Okay. Alrighty. I totally sure. agree with you. That's true. I was able to afford 
to pay this doctor. And what about other people? I believe that we need to make changes where we can make changes. I cannot, for example, go into the den dentistry uh, industry and change it. I can help in, in the area where I can help. That is, I'm a psychotherapist. So if somebody comes to see me and they cannot afford paying, I never turn them away. That's my contribution. Now, when I have for two and a half years, I speak on this uh, PRN, I welcome people like you bringing it up. I'm trying to make people aware of all the things that you and I are aware of. That's also my contribution. Also, I, I do, uh, in, if not between 5 and 10% of my income, I send to different charities. That's also my contribution. I contribute what feels right to me. And I hope that other people will contribute in their own way. So I cannot change the world. I can only make my small contributions in the area that I'm capable of. How about that? Well, we're not trying to change the world, Dr. Resnick. I'm talking also on a personal level. And I have an obligation to the creator who told us not to take from the tree of knowledge. And I believe that's where all our problems started. And I that, tried to have a conversation with you about the tree of knowledge, and you keep putting me off. And I don't understand why, because you're an educated man in spiritualism, and you should be willing to speak with me about it. Now, yeah. if we made a mistake, no, and we were told not to eat, take from the tree of knowledge, and we did it, and we made the mistake, and now we're suffering for that, and if we continue on, keep taking from the tree of knowledge. When we built colleges, we were taking from the tree of knowledge. Yeah, I'm sorry. An elephant, it, it, when an elephant is born, does it have to go to college to become something? Or is it already something when it's born? It's already an elephant and it doesn't have to be anything else. And that's the same for us. We're human beings and we don't have to be anything else. We don't have to be doctors, lawyers, chemists car makers, whatever. We don't have to be any of that. We already are what we are, human beings that are supposed to love each other and take care of each other and take care of the planet, number one. Yes, thank, thank you. Uh, I, I want to say, you know, the reason uh, I respect very much your intelligence and your desire um, to talk about spirituality. It's just today I want to focus more on this fear, but I do remember you brought up this issue, and God willing, you know, we'll have time. Maybe we'll have one uh, whole show dedicated to spiritual uh, outlook on reality and what can be done from spiritual perspective. Thank you very much for calling. E. I, I want to get back to talking about fear. Dr. Thank Dr. you again. Resnick, I love I Dr. Okay. Dr. Resnick, I appreciate you for letting me speak and say the things that need to be said. And I really appreciate it. And I don't like to take up all the time of the show. So I would definitely call again and we'll Thank continue you. from where we leave off. All right. Okay. You be we well. Continue. Man. You be okay. well also. And enjoy Thank your time in, in England there. Thank you. I am enjoying. Truly, I, do. I am enjoying. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. So, ladies Bye -bye. and gentlemen, uh, what what he said is, is quite wise, uh, and that is about 
about needing to make changes, needing to make changes. And in order to make changes, you need to be aware of what changes to, to be made. And every day we have an opportunity to become aware and to make little contributions for making these changes. I'm always reminded of the words of Mahatma Gandhi, who said, every night when I go to sleep, I die. And in the morning, I am born again. And I have brand new 16 to 17 hours to live through. The question is, how are we going to live? Are we going to live in fear? I'm returning now to the question or to the subject of fear. I am not going to talk to you about fears which are phobias, that is fear of something, uh, of some specific experience or object, fear like fear of dogs, fear of snakes, fear of being in closed spaces, psychologists call it claustrophobia, fear of being outside, which is called agoraphobia. We can address them if you call or write to me and ask me to talk about one particular phobia, I will gladly talk about it. But I want to speak today uh, about these existential fears. And last time, uh, last week, I only brought up the issues. I, I named them faces of fear and that is, uh, I will be hurt, I will fail, I will be all alone. I will lose those who I lo love, I will waste my life, I will be old and unwanted, and finally, I will be no more fear of death. So I want to, I just named them all last week, and today I want to expand a little bit on each, and not just to talk theory, but to give you ideas of how each of them can be handled. But remember, <laughs> I am limited by my experience uh, as a therapist and by my experience as a, as a person. So you may have something to contribute that I'm missing out on. So please feel free as I talk about each of the faces of fear, uh, hear me out and also call if you want to contribute, you want to expand on the subject, or you simply want to share your experience of dealing with that particular fear. So the first one is, I will be hurt, fear of being hurt. Uh, it's a very realistic fear. Life is unpredictable. We must learn to live with this uncertainty. You do your best to address safety. I love, Arabs have a beautiful saying, trust in Allah, but don't forget to tie the camel to the tree. That is, rely on God, pray. Yes, you ask God for protection if you are connected with God or higher power. But you still are responsible for doing everything you can to protect yourself. But once you did it, know that the rest is not in your hands. Even right now, as you are listening, I am somewhere in London, you know, who knows, a bomb could go off, an earthquake could happen that didn't happen for it's London, you know, for centuries. But who knows, wherever you are, something could happen. 
and we have to learn to live with that uncertainty. Little children will lie to them. We say, oh, this, everything will be fine, or I will see, come home. But we don't know. And we have to learn to live as adults that we never know what will happen. The more we know that we don't know the outcome of anything, the more peace will become, will be, if we resign to live with it and do our best. I already, um, in December 2020, when I did my very first, December 1st, my very first show on this network, uh, I believe I, the main subject was living in times of uncertainty. And I said that people thought, and, and when I was giving this uh, talk, uh, I think on, on television they were flashing the numbers like this year 300,000 people died from COVID and people were terrified. People were afraid that they will get this virus, feeling very unsafe, as if they were safe before. But as E, who just called, said, we live in the illusion. So we all lived in the illusion or delusion that we were safe. But in reality, in the year for randomly taken, 2017, 170,000 people, 170,000 people died suddenly, either being struck by a car or being in a car accident or falling or being poisoned by food or suffocating, choking from something. And there is a whole list of other unfortunate uh, situations that happened. And 170,000 people died. They woke up in the morning, they had plans, they were saving on a rainy day, and boom, it was over. They did not know but that it was coming. So we don't know what, what is coming. And I'm saying this and somebody can say, wait a minute, what are you doing? You're scaring us even more. No. Just you have to know anything can happen, whether you walk out of your house, something can happen outside, or when you are sitting in your house, the boiler in, under the building can blow up. So you don't know if, um, if, if you live with this fear that something will happen, that's all. Your life will be taken over by that fear. Or you can say, yes, one day I will die, and nobody knows when. I do everything I, I can to assure safety, but I cannot be fully assured because no matter what efforts I, I make, I still may die. And the acceptance of the reality of this death will bring peace. But let's say you say, okay, Peter, that's nice. Thank you for, for suggestion. But I still have these thoughts popping up. It's not intellectual, it comes from deep inside. It jumps up in my mind and it overwhelms me. Okay, then I give you little tools. You deal with unwanted thoughts. First of all, you can call them UT, to be short. UT, oops, UT, that's it. If you can, oops, that's UT, and flush it down the toilet. Oops, another one, UT. If it is, uh, a concern or fear 
that is not totally baseless. You are afraid something that may happen and it's realistic. Let's say, you know, you, God forbid, I don't want even to list them, you know, but I'm talking about logistical life situations. What if, uh, you know, they fired you and you don't have money to pay for rent or yeah. all these kind of things. They're realistic because they're laying off a lot of people in the place you work and so on. So then you deal with this un that this whatever negative thing, whatever is happening uh, may happen, you need to right away uh, go to what I once taught how to deal with stress. That is step number one. You acknowledge that which concerns or scares you. Whatever concerned or scared you, you acknowledge. Just simply state it clearly to, your, to yourself. Step number two, resign that you will live with it. You live, will live through it. That is, agree that that's what, if that happens, you know, as long as I'm alive, I will live through it. You have to think of that worst consequence and possible steps that you would make if you're in that situation. That's number two. And then step three, you do all reasonable, reasonably possible to prevent that from happening. You understand? These three steps. So one, acknowledge what it is. Don't deny it. Don't say, oh, no, no, it's not going to happen to me. I don't want to think about it because it may happen to you and you need to acknowledge it. And two, know that you can live through it. Find a way in your mind how you would live in if that worst would happen. And then step three, do everything you can to prevent it from happening. Once you did it, then again, if the thought again comes, you go, oops, that's it. If it's still uh, kind of nagging you, you can do a mental exercise. For, and the mental exercise pursues two, two goals. One is simply to be involved, not to be negative, uh, and not to be in denial, but to engage the negative thought in order to get rid of it. It's just another way instead of oops. And the other one is to change your energy. This is a little bit more complex. I don't think I will go into it today. And I already spoke to you about it. We, we spoke about uh, the principle underlying the fabric of our life is what, what the Chinese have in their beautiful symbol of yin and yang. Remember, black within white, white within black. That which is inside is outside, that which is outside is inside. So if you have that negativity, if you are overwhelmed, you are constantly focusing on something negative happening, uh, whether it's being hurt or being uh, uh, fired, the inside negativity attracts 
the negativity from the outside. So you know, in a way you are kind of reinforcing that negative thing that you are afraid of that it would happen. So I would suggest then at least one time you do this exercise. And in, in fact, if right now you are dealing with some fear of being hurt, of being uh, sick, of negative results, of some tests, uh, as long as you did everything you needed to do to be safe, you do this exercise. By the way, I will do with you this exercise. And uh, I'm always reluctant doing the exercises, and I will tell you why. On one hand, I want it, I, I know how powerful these exercises can be, how beneficial they can be. On the other hand, that's if the outcome of mental ex exercise is positive. But what if a person does an exercise and there is a negative image that comes and they have no control over that image, negative image came, then it's not good. It would be good if they can communicate with me and I teach them how to turn this bad into good. But for you to walk away with bad image, it's not good. Because remember, the image in our mind is not only a reflection of where we are in the moment, but also a blueprint of where we are going. So I wouldn't want you to walk away after this exercise with something, some negative image. You see? So that, therefore, uh, I encourage anybody who goes through this exercise, if they want to share to call in, you have the number, and share with the exercise. But particularly, particularly if you had some negative experience, please call 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. And now we do the exercise. This exercise is for overcoming fear of something specific something, some hurt, or being physically not well, or logistically in your everyday life. So close your eyes, sit straight, preferably resting your arms on the arms of the chair or on your lap, and think of that specific thing that you are afraid of. And say to yourself mentally, I am doing this exercise with an intention to let go of this fear. And now, breathe out gently one time, slowly, and see that which you are afraid of as clearly as you can. And if you're not very visual, sense it right before you right in front of you, no matter what it is. Now breathe out one time again, and go inside, imagine or think of yourself going into the very center of that substance, image, circumstance, whatever it is, be in the very center of it and feel the full force of your fear raging around you. Now, 
slowly breathe out physically and see that image like a picture expanding in all directions around you till it reaches its boundaries. Remember, any image has its boundaries. And once it expanded and reached the boundaries, take out, take yourself out of that scene, come out of that image far enough that you could look at that fear, that thing that expanded from the distance. Now, as you look at it, say to yourself mentally, this, whatever it is, is not I. This is my creation. Know that what you can create, you can uncreate. So do it now. You can take that image and burn it by fire, with fire. You can sink it in the ocean. You can bury it in the earth or you can, you can have it being taken by the wind. And now, breathe out one time again, and place into newly vacated space, right in front of you, something beautiful. Something that would give you joy. Look at it, and smile to it. Then breathe out one time, and open your eyes. Please, ladies and gentlemen, if any of you feel like sharing with your experience, whether it's positive or negative, you're welcome to call now. I will be happy to take your call. I see somebody is writing something. For a second, you know, I saw that. Uh, okay, here, no callers. Okay, no callers, that's fine. Uh, so from now on, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who participated, uh, if in the future, at any moment, an image of that negative stuff that you just worked with comes to your mind, all you do is you say to yourself mentally, oops, and mentally see the last image of what you created as a positive image. Remember, you are the creator. What you can create, you can uncreate. Everything is happening in your mind. You know, the teachings of the Buddha begin with words. You are what you think, all that you are arises with your thoughts. With your thoughts, you create the world. Can, of course, not the whole world, you're not the creator of the world, but you're creator of your own world. And it starts from inside. And the language of the inside is the image. So that's why I want you to dismantle negative images and to bring positive images into your life. Now let's move to, again, you're still welcome to call if you would like to. Um, with any comments, I will continue. We have the second face uh, of fear, and that is, I will fail. 
Uh, well, my comment to you about it is there is no such thing as failure. No, actually there is one. Yes. You succeed when you act. No matter what the consequence is. If you do not act, this is the only time you fail. You fail to act. If you have an intention to accomplish something, and as you do it, as you make your effort, you discover that the results are not what you wanted them to be. All that means is to your judgment or your assessment, uh, it's off. You, you did not get what you wanted. Your judgment was a little bit off or your effort was a little bit off. And how you develop a better judgment, good judgment comes from experience. And how do you get experience? From bad judgment. So that bad judgment that we call bad is really not bad judgment and not definitely not failure. It is experience which gets you closer to where you want to be. Make it a ritual to celebrate each time your judgment is off. That is how, oh, yeah, by the way, it just came to my mind. I prepared women for childbirth. I have this whole program. You will find it on my, um, on my website. I hope it's there, um, called a gentle birth program. And I started this gentle birth program, preparing women for delivery um, 40 years ago. And the, the mantra that I would encourage them to do, I would do a relaxation, teach them uh, self-hypnosis. But one phrase they were repeating over and over again, with each contraction, I'm so much closer to the birth of my baby. And I have testimonies, actually, of women writing that it was a wonderful experience and each contraction, remember contraction, women only know what it is, the women who have the babies, uh, it's, it's usually perceived as something painful and something they are afraid of. But here, that's true. With every contraction, she's closer to giving birth. So unless they would focus on what the wonderful outcome will be, rather than on, on the discomfort that led to it, then even the discomfort was much lesser. The same thing you need when you make your efforts with each contraction, with each effort, with each derailment, you say, I'm so much closer to being on the rails to my success. You never fail. Uh, also, uh, there is a whole issue uh, of creating success. And we can have a whole hour about that, maybe because I, I used to I, I used to be a co-director of an institute uh, that's 1992. It's already folded. Uh, the institute was called American Institute for Hypnotherapy, the Petri Method. And we provided for corporations a number of programs. One was quit smoking, the other weight control, the third stress management, and the fourth success attitudes. So 
And since then, you know, I've taught many, many classes called success attitudes, and we can, um, I can do a whole hour on success attitudes and uh, creating a visions of success and how to bring success in your life. Uh, but that's a whole other subject. Uh, but for now, let's focus on this. Transform the fear, I will fail into I welcome experiences, no matter what the outcomes are, because they bring me closer and closer with each contraction to finding my way to what I want. Number three fear, I will be all alone. Well, uh, I'm compelled to talk a little bit, just a few words about spirituality, and that is those who have true, true faith. And it's very difficult to live that faith. You may have faith, but when it comes to circumstances, sometimes even the faith for some people is not enough. That is, but people who are, uh, have faith in what, what people call God, uh, or, or invisible reality, or universal mind, know that we're never alone. We're never alone. All the consciousness, all the spirits, all our ancestors are constantly with us. We can think about them in the moment we think about them with when we connect. But I also understand that at, some, at, some, at times, it's not enough for people. Some people are natural introverts, and they enjoy being alone. Uh, they in fact, they want to escape when they uh, when they're in a group of people, they feel suffocated. But many people, you know, we're social creatures, they they lack they miss company. So uh, I can tell you a couple of things about it. First of all, the research, uh, statistics is, is <laughs> how to say, merciless, yes. It tells you the truth, that's what is the power of numbers is. What they discovered is men who live alone have much higher rate of heart attacks and die prematurely. Women who live alone also die prematurely and have higher rate of heart attacks if they live alone. But if they have a dog, then <laughs> they actually don't die prematurely and don't have higher rate of uh, heart attacks than average. But for the for the man, the dog will not do. The man is a woman. So. Uh, what does it tell you about man, <laughs> if a man can be substituted by the dog? Anyway, uh, that's it's very important. A, I would suggest you must cultivate a community. That's now I'm, I'm attempting to respond to what do you do if you are afraid of being alone uh, and not to be alone? Uh, first, I should have said that of this fear of being alone kind of is well grounded. Because as I said, most people want to be with somebody. But rather than just fearing it, do something to assure that you are not alone. Um, and that is you cultivate community, preferably with people your age, 
even though I know some people say, oh, I like hanging out with young people, it makes me feel young. But in my experience, talking to people and uh, reading books, actually, that sp spending time with young people often pe make, makes people aware of how old they are, how different they are. So the best is when people hang out with people of their own age. And it's been my experience, too. You know, you, you have jokes which are 40 years old or jokes about your age today, and it's fun and and it's light. Uh, and when you go to your own home, unless you are in a committed relationship and you are together, so then it's always much easier. Uh, B, I wanted to give you ABC um, kind of technique, how not to be alone. Be, be ready to extend yourself to others. I have a friend, Alex, who Really, it's amazing how much he extends himself to others. He's very social, sociable. And I, you know, when I met him three years ago, only maybe three and a half years ago, I thought, you know, he's just so nice to me because anything like I would need any help or I would ask something, he's right there. And then one time he was giving me a lift. I didn't have a car at that time. And suddenly he answers the phone of somebody who is a brother of a friend, not even his friend. And, a, and um, Alex puts him on a speakerphone, says, you know, my friend Peter is there. Uh, and the man is sharing with some calamity that happened. I don't remember what it was. And Alex immediately goes, oh, I'm taking Peter. Mm -hmm. I will drop him off. I will be right there. No question. Amazing. And I realized as I got to know Alex, he... He is extending himself to others all the time. And he's doing business. And he's doing good business. And he's doing business with people to whom he extended himself to a while ago. And, and he has a lot of friends and acquaintances. So one thing um, of having friends is being a friend. And finally, ABC, I said, and the C is send out energy inviting people into your life. Let me do with you this exercise and we'll continue with other um, other faces of fear the following show. But let's do the exercise of bringing people into your life. Just close your eyes if you want to participate and say to yourself mentally, I am doing this exercise with an intention to bring friendships, acquaintances, companions into my life and see yourself in any way you can and see now a beam of white light coming out of your chest and as it moves out a foot or foot and a half beyond your body it curves to the right making complete circle around your whole body see yourself or sense yourself, or feel yourself being surrounded by a circle of white light. Now slowly breathe out, and see the circle expanding in all directions. And you see people in the distance, and as they embraced by your circle, as they enter your circle, they lift their heads and smile to you, and you smile back to them.
Now you see yourself walking toward them and them walking toward you. Breathe out one time before you reach them. Open your eyes. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the only way you will know whether this exercise works or not is if you try to do it. But one time is not enough. It's not only for today. For seven mornings, if that is an issue, if you want to bring people into your life for the coming uh, six more mornings, you say mentally to yourself, I'm doing this exercise to bring friends, acquaintance into my life, and then uh, do exactly this exercise of uh, focusing on a wide circle, uh, and then, then bringing people into that circle, and like the way you just saw. Uh, and that's it. Uh, and uh, then after one week, you're welcome to, to call and tell us if this was successful. Uh, I've done this exercise in a little different form, but for people finding a life partner, but it's done for a little longer and there is a variation, not exactly the same exercise. But remember, as I said, um, that which is inside is outside and your imagination is the language of the inside. And as you create the images of wellness and the images of meeting people, you bring that people into your life. And that's all we can cover today. Uh, you're welcome to send me emails with your questions or comments regarding this uh, meeting today, this show, to uh, Dr. Peter Resnick at gmail.com, D R P E T E R R E Z N I K uh, at gmail.com. And thank you for being with me today. I'm looking forward to having your attention next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern time in America. Uh, peace to all who want to live in peace. <laughs>